Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. We're talking all things Kenrich Williams today, how he became known as Kenny Hustle, and how he became the most respected guy in the Thunder locker room. Plus, stick around because we've got some pretty big podcast news to share with you guys today. So let's get to it. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. Gallo, I don't know about you, but it's kind of hard to believe that we only have a couple of weeks left until training camp begins, which means that our off-season long series of player features is coming to a close. We only have a couple more left before the season starts. That's right. I'm going to have one next week on Ty Jerome, and uh, we can talk about him a little bit today, but I know you've got a big one out on Kenrich Williams, and we got to talk about Kenny Hustle because um, as we're wrapping up this series, he's one of the guys that really came on and burst onto the scene, Paris, became a fan favorite, became a favorite in the locker room as well. And um, I, I just, I want to hear from you kind of what you learned over the course of, of digging deep on Kenny Hustle. Yeah, I got a feature out on OKCThunder.com. It is called What It Means to Hustle. And if you ever want to look for a definition of hustle, you'll open up the dictionary and there's just going to be a little picture of Kenrich Williams right there on the page because he really has defined what it means to hustle. And it's it goes beyond what we saw on the court during this past season. It goes beyond just his NBA career. It goes all the way back to him as a teenager and his brothers helping his mom get, you know, they're picking up jobs and mowing lawns to help her pay bills. That, that's where it starts for Kenrich Williams. And all of that has built up to what we see on the court. And for me personally, I look at this season and Gallo, if you'll remember, at the, very, at the very outside of the season, he wasn't really in the rotation. He wasn't getting much playing time. And then he started becoming that leader of the second unit. And we started to see a little bit of what Kenridge Williams was capable of and why he earned that nickname, Kenny Hustle, to begin with. Yeah, well, I just take Shea Gildas Alexander's words for it. Kenridge is a dog. And that, that's straight out of the, the lips of, of SGA. He does all the little things makes basketball plays on both ends of the floor. And what you saw last year, Paris, was that the combination of all of that, you know, the hustle, the grit, the, the diving on the floor, the setting screens, the rebounding at his position, in addition to an absolutely incredible shooting year from the three-point line. Yeah. He didn't take a, a ton of them, le- a little bit less than two a game, but he shot 44% from three. And I mean, that's the definition of a three and D type player that every single team in the NBA is looking for. And so for the Thunder to get him in that trade and, you know, I think outwardly he was not seen as, you know, somebody that was going to make this huge splash as a part of that trade, yep. but he sure did inside the Thunder locker room and on the court in those 66 games that he played. And what we saw from him shooting and those offensive numbers that we saw, the 44% shooting, a career best, that was born during what he was doing off the court when nobody was watching. He was not only just getting shots up and working really, really hard during practice, but he was also working to make sure that he was taking the right shots to understand where he needs to be in the offense so that he can be selective and take those in rhythm shots, the higher, the higher quality shots and the shots that have a higher chance of going in. So the, the mixture of the shot selection plus the hard work he was putting in off the floor resulted in what we saw on the floor. That right, same but- sort of formula worked for everything else we saw out there. Do you remember the breakfast club, Gallo? You remember talking about club. that breakfast club? Of course, club? of course, yeah. 
he was out there three on three playing pickup with with a bunch of other low minute guys on the roster and getting after it. We remember hearing from guys talking about how he was spilling it during those early morning three on three scrimmages when nobody was watching. That's when the lights are off and like the people are just there's not an audience there. And then you see what he does on the floor. Well, that hustle mentality, the, the breakfast club mentality, that extends back to his family life, his his childhood growing up, as you mentioned. But also, I remember hearing about uh, during kind of the COVID offseason, he would go to the gym with his wife, and the two of them would get shots up together. So truly like a love and basketball type situation going on there as well. And really just, I, I think, a holistically, as you look at Kenrich Williams, this is something that is a part of his life, his DNA is like continuing to get the work in. It's part of his family life. It's part of his background, his heritage, and it's part of what he does as a professional every single day. And I think that word Paris professional is really what epitomizes Kenrich Williams is he gave the team everything that he had every single day and they knew what to expect from him on the court day in and day out. It's consistency, right? And that's what really every player is striving for in some form or fashion, whether it's consistency in terms of scoring, consistency on the defensive end. For Kenrich, it's consistency and energy. You know what sort of effort and energy and intensity and hustle you're going to get from him every single night. And it won't change regardless of whether the team's up 20, down big, coming from behind. It's a second night of a back-to-back. It's the fifth game and seven nights, it doesn't matter. You're going to get the same energy from Kenrich Williams. And that's something that coaches really appreciate, teammates look up to, and especially for a guy like Kenrich on a really young roster, that's an opportunity for young guys to see what that looks like. And it really, it, I think it really rubbed off on a lot of guys as well to see that. And it was really good for guys to understand what it means to bring it every single night and be ready to go. Yeah. You know, he was one of these guys that just continued to show players how you can have an impact without the ball in your hands. And that when you do get the ball in your hands, if you're making wise choices, if you're being judicious, if you're not trying to do too much, you can also be extremely efficient. I mean, he ended up with, I think the second best three point shooting percentage off the bench in OKC history. So he started 13 games he still managed to shoot 44% when he came off the bench for the Thunder. Uh, that That's incredible. But he also had a ton of his points come off of turnovers. Over About 20% of his points came off of turnovers. And so he's finding ways to get those junk points, not only the catch and shoots, but also the points that are not going to necessarily take away from the high usage creator types, the, right. the SGAs, the Teos, the, the guys that are going to have the ball in their hands and trying to attack downhill. Kendrick is a guy that's going to feast on just the opportunistic plays. And that's where he prides himself, right? It's the intangible plays. And we saw that play out, even though he did pride himself on those intangible plays that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. The numbers do not lie. It was very evident where he put his priority and his energy and where he valued himself on the floor. And one thing that really stuck out to me, Gallo, one number that you've been tracking that obviously the entire season was Lou Dort's offensive fouls drawn and nobody's touching Lou Dort. Okay. He's 50. I mean, fifties, he's way up there. Okay. That's a, that's an untouchable number. Second on the list, kind of more back to reality was Kenrich Williams. He had, he had, 15 offensive fouls drawn. And I think that speaks volumes to what he was able to do on the floor. He's always going to be in the right spot defensively. He's willing to sacrifice his body. The other number that really stuck out to me, Gallo, were 
He was second in steals. He had 55 this season. And then third in offensive rebounds, he had 84. Those are three vastly different defensive categories and ways to impact the game defensively that Kenrich had a hand in all of them. And I think that showed off, one, his versatility on the floor. Because you remember, he was guarding all sorts of different kinds of players out there on the floor. And his playability to be able to be effective in all of those different areas. So that was one thing that really stuck out to me about Kenrich was his, his value wasn't necessarily in the numbers that you saw on the stat sheet, but either way, they still showed up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what you're going for when you're a role player at Kenrich's sort of stature in the league is like, can you be a guy that teams count on to make the most of every opportunity on the floor, whether that be something that shows up in the stat sheet or something that doesn't. And it's gravy when you get a guy like him who shot 58% on corner threes, like that's absolutely gold when you're also getting all of the other stuff that he's doing throughout the course of the game. Mentally though, the one thing about Kenrich is every time he stepped on the floor, it all stem, everything that you saw stemmed from just him being grateful and him wanting to make the most of every opportunity that he has on the floor. Cause you have to remember, Gallo, this is the only season out of all three seasons that he's played in the NBA. This past year was the only year where he was available and healthy to play the entire year. The previous season, he had a back injury that kept him out over half the season. And then his rookie season, he was floating in and out of the G League. And so this was the only opportunity for him to really be able to be out on the floor and make an impact in the game. And so you really saw from that gratitude, all of this other stuff spilling out, the wanting to make the most of every opportunity on the floor, the hustle, the intensity that never died, all of that just stemmed from him being grateful to play basketball. He really credited the Thunder training staff, the coaches, everybody that helped them make sure that they kept their bodies and minds right throughout the course of the season because this was a, a really hard season. You know, the 72-game mm-hmm. condensed schedule. There's a lot of people that ended up, you know, not being able to make it through the season healthy if you look across the league. Kenrich was able to. He said, yeah, it, you know, it, it was tiring throughout the course of the year, but there's no other job that I would want than this one. And that – Right there is how you earn the respect of everybody in the locker room. Right there, that mentality, that consistency, and that sort of leadership. So kudos to Kenrich. I am very excited to see how this next season unfolds for him because you know, Gallo, you know he's been working this offseason. Of course, yeah. I mean, you're not going to see much from him. You're not going to see a a lot of Instagram posts. You're not going to see the stories of him, you know, slashing to the rim and dunking. But you know, he's quietly, secretly there in the lab, getting himself ready. Like I mentioned earlier, that feature, if you want to know more on Kenny Hustle, there's a feature out on OKCThunder.com. It is called What It Means to Hustle. But Nick Gallo, you've got one coming down the line, one on Ty Jerome. This will be our last player feature of the offseason. Gallo, give us a little insight. What are you looking at for Ty Jerome? Well, I just think his story is so fascinating given, you know, we were just talking about Kenrich and his injury history. Ty has had, you know, injuries that completely derailed his his rookie season and, you know, some of his sophomore NBA season, yet he used the G League bubble to get back into the flow and he came in gangbusters, did an incredible job for the Thunder when he came back from the G League bubble and was able to make an impact in the rotation. He was an effective three-point shooter. He was really effective as a point guard and playmaker for the team. We saw the passing chops. We saw just sort of the intensity and, and the ability to, to lead a team. We, shot, we saw the 42% shooting from three. 
beyond just the injury stuff though, there's just this incredible story about Ty as a person who can keep his chin up and there's, there's no further evidence than the national title run at the university of Virginia, the year after his team, the, the Cavaliers were bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament, the first ever number one seed to lose to a 16 seed in the first round. He had to keep his chin up the entire next season. He's walking around campus. People are looking at him sideways. I can't believe you guys lost that game. No matter, he, he kept his chin up. He went to work every day. He got that team rallied and they went back and they won the national title the next year. That was, uh, I thought, an incredible display of leadership. And I think one of the reasons why he's been able to stick with it throughout the course of his NBA career so far and give himself a chance moving forward. And he's got some incredible minutes this past season. We saw, we, like you mentioned, the shooting, his ability to impact the game on the offensive end. So that's something I'm definitely looking forward to as well in this upcoming season to see how he's able to layer onto that and continue building onto that. Because just like Kenrich, he's a guy that we know is going to work hard and put in the work to make sure that he's ready to go this next season. You know, also a three and a half to one and a half assist to turnover ratio. So that's, that's a really good sign, you know, basically almost a, a, a three to one ratio there. And so um, got to be feeling really good about that. When, when that's your point guard coming off the bench, he's really tight with SGA. That always helps. That's really good. Especially when guys in, in those positions are sharing ball handling duties and responsibilities, being able to, to have a guy that you really trust and lean on and can, you know, rib a little bit and joke with, you know, that's always good. And as, as we look forward, Paris, and, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about what we're looking forward to in training camp. Multi-guard lineups is going to be something that's really fascinating and the ability to to have multiple guys on the floor that can handle the ball, can initiate offense, and then move it and get off the ball is going to be really critical. I love the fact that him and Shea are so close because, you know, they're they're very different point guard styles. They're different guard styles. They, They have different playing styles. But, you know, you can kind of glean some stuff from each other and then one guy adds something else to his bag that he didn't have before. So that's that's a very interesting pairing right there. And so I love the fact that they're so close and they can learn from each other. Training camp is right around the corner and your Thunder Insiders have you covered because we've got our eyes set on training camp. We're looking forward to it. We're preparing for it. There's a lot of good things cooking up here in the Thunder basketball universe, but let's take a look, Gallo, at just a 30,000 foot view. Overall, looking at this current roster, where the Thunder currently stands, what are some of the things, the biggest thing actually, that you're looking forward to in this next couple of weeks when training camp begins? I would just say getting to see a healthy full team with a a rotation that Mark Dagnold is kind of looking at and trying to set and trying to play with. I know there's going to be a lot of different guys that are going to get opportunities for minutes, especially in training camp, especially during these preseason games. But having a healthy Shea Gildas-Alexander on the floor is probably the key to seeing kind of how everything lines up. You you can definitely learn a lot from minutes where you get Darius Baisley and Alexei Pokashevsky together and you get Ty Jerome and and Trey Mann on the same floor or whatever. But having Shea really is is the thing that gets the, the whole thing ignited. And so being able to put Derek Favors and pick and roll with him, being able to utilize, you know, a big guy like Mike Muscala in a pick and pop, and then having players like Kenny Hustle who can shoot the three ball in the corner. You know, guys around that sort of main gravitational pull of what the Thunder's trying to do offensively, I think that's really critical. 
And then defensively too, I think you need to see where everybody's at after one more year of looking at film and seasoning and understanding and, and recognizing personnel because long-term, those are the types of things that need to be set in stone with this organization, with the team is how are they bringing it night to night defensively? Are they recognizing coverages? Are they understanding what it takes to win on defense night to night? And this kind of, you, you kind of rolled a little bit into mine and what I'm Sorry, looking forward Paris. to. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. That's why we're a team. We work together. <laughs> but the, the, I, I, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is guys like Teo, guys like Poku, guys like Shay, Isaiah Roby, Darius Baisley, these guys that got very, very valuable experience on the floor last year, how all of that critical information, all of those touch points helped guide their offseason and what they decided to work on, what they decided to focus on, the film that they decided to watch, where they decided to prioritize their, their work, and how we're going to see that play out in this next season. Because we've talked about it so much at this point, all of the information that Teo, Poku, Isaiah, specifically for me, all of the stuff that they were able to get against the Lakers, the Clippers, all of these really strong teams like Philly, Denver, they were starting in some of these games. They're going up against the best of the best. And all of that information now, they've been able to download. They've been able to look over. They've been able to point out the holes in their games, weaknesses, and work on that in this offseason. And so coming into this next season, coming into their, their second seasons, their third seasons, how are they able to layer onto that? And like you mentioned, incorporate that into now this framework of a lineup and, and rotation that the Thunder currently has. Before we let you go on this podcast, it's our job as insiders to keep you up to date in the loop with everything going on. So here are a couple of quick housekeeping items to keep an eye on in the next couple weeks. Yeah, so first thing, just be on the lookout for the schedule for the Oklahoma City Blue coming up over the next couple of days. Uh, obviously, as you look at the Thunder roster, there's going to be a number of guys, including one of the draft picks, Aaron Wiggins, who's signed to a two-way contract. He's going to be probably spending quite a bit of time with the Blue. You can imagine some other guys will as well. As we saw last season, that Blue experience down in the G League bubble was so transformative for a lot of different players, uh, including Alexei Pokashevsky. So clearly, you know, that's a, an area of growth and development for this Thunder organization that they can really utilize on some of these young players. So be on the lookout for that schedule and make sure uh, you go out and get some tickets for those games too so you can get some some sights and sounds of these young guys getting that type of action also saw some reporting out there uh, from some of the the main national reporters that you all know uh, about some potential rule changes and and just some of the the structural things about the nba game including uh, the coaches challenge and whatnot so be sure to go take a look at that um, type of reporting as well you can find that in a lot of different areas just make sure you're up to date on all of the news and notes from around the league and then last thing we teased a josh hall feature story last week as you may have seen the thunder released josh hall recently so that feature is going to go in the vault as tends to happen. There are a number of things over the course of time in Thunderland that go in the vault that you won't get to see that we were really excited to show you, but that's just how these things go. We move on and we fight on for another day. So be on the lookout again for that Kenrich Williams story that Paris wrote and the Ty Jerome one that's coming up next week. Got to be flexible around here, but 
One last thing for you. We will not have a podcast next week, but that's because we are cooking up something super big for season three of the Thunder Basketball Universe, which Gallo, it blows my mind that we are now getting into our third season of this podcast. So much we have done already and a lot to look forward to. And we are excited to show you everything that we've been working on that will officially kick off in the last week of September. So that's something to mark on your calendar. Look forward to. We've got you covered. That is all for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer, Matt Bishop. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later. Later.